No one knows your body as well as you do. No one knows your baby as well as you do. And I think I spent a lot of years just second guessing everything. If I could like say one thing to a new mom, it's just like, trust your gut. God gave you that intuition for a reason. It's a gift. Advocate for yourself and for your child and just follow what you're at peace with. Hi, I'm Danielle. Welcome to the Birth Journeys Podcast. It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. to the Birth Journeys podcast. I'm so excited to have my friend Stephanie here today to share her birth journeys with us. Hey, Stephanie. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank <laughs> you for having me. This is quite the blessing just to be able to support you in this. And I'm so mm-hmm. excited for what you've started and the advocacy about it all. Like it makes makes my heart full. Oh, <laughs> thank you. So nice to say. Um <laughs> So why don't we start off by you just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Stephanie. I'm 34 years old. I have three kids. I've been married for 14 years. Um, Currently, I'm homeschooling and juggling real estate and just all those fun things with this season of life. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, life is very full and very busy, but... Yeah, I wouldn't really want it any other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that they say that saying that the days are long but the years are short. So Absolutely. <laughs> we gotta enjoy the juggling, even though it feels overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and as I was like looking over my birth stories to be ready for today, like it reminded me so much of that. Like eleven years ago my firstborn was born and <sighs> it literally does feel like yesterday. Aww. And yet here she is, eleven double digits. Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy I, that makes me sad thinking about it because I'll be there in, in two years yeah <laughs> so it, it just, you uh, blink you have to stop blinking <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, well why don't we start out by telling uh, um telling where your journey started um was being a mom something that you always had in your heart or what did that look like for you I always wanted to be a mom um from little on up like that was kind of like I would play with dollies and, you know, that was just my thing. One day I'm going to have children. Like I never struggled with that idea. Um, my mom and dad adopted when I was 15 and we adopted newborns. So I got a lot of great experience uh-huh. at an older teenage in taking care of babies and, and helping raise them. I was old enough to really help my mom out. And that influenced me even more that, yeah, for sure. You know, I want a family. So that was um, just a pretty high calling to me. And we were married probably a year, probably a little over a year, like a year and three months maybe. And we decided to start trying. Um, And in that year time frame, I was pregnant three times. The first Mm -hmm. two, I had um, miscarriages. 
And so I was, after the second miscarriage, you know, I was still like, I was 22 at the time. So I was really young and immature and it was like hurting. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to try again, but, um, because motherhood was such, you know, a calling is something I wanted so bad. I decided to, you know, lay aside my fears and, you know, try again the third time. And I'm so glad I did. Um, I have my Savannah because of that. She was our, mm. our firstborn and our rainbow baby. Mm. Um, and during those miscarriages, I was using a small town midwife. She didn't deliver babies, but she was kind of more like an OB. Um, and I loved her to death. She was so great through all those miscarriages, like more of like a motherly presence. Mm. But um, after my second miscarriage, she moved to Charleston to a new birth center that had opened there and she was actually delivering babies. So I didn't, you know, slight her for that, but I missed her so bad. So then by the time I was pregnant with Savannah, I was like, Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Like being young, like I kind of wanted that person that was there for me all through that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just didn't know where to go because I just kind of felt like, Hey, I'm pregnant now. And the one person I depended on is gone. Uh, one thing that she did do for me after my second miscarriage, she was like, okay, this is becoming a pattern. She's like, and I know I'm transferring. So she actually gave me ahead of time, a prescription for progesterone. She's like, if you get pregnant again, I want you to start taking this right away. And hopefully, you know, this will kind of get you over that first 12 weeks. Both of mine were very early. So, um, I did at least have that, you know, going into mm. my pregnancy with Savannah. Um, and so I started taking that as soon as I found out I was pregnant with Savannah. That was like November of 2009. Um, I was not one to like keep a surprise from Nevin, especially my husband's name's Nevin, um, especially since, you know, we had tried so hard and went through so much to get to that point of actually mm -hmm. you know, this third pregnancy. So like I, just kind of told him right away, took the test and, you know, this is this. And so we were so excited and yet apprehensive because we had lost the other two babies. Um, so we held on to the secret for about, you know, five or six weeks. And we started telling my family and his family around Christmas of 2009. So that was kind of a very special gift. And by then <laughs> we were over the worst of the hump. Both my babies were, um, one was eight weeks and one was like 10 so by the time Christmas rolled around, I was pretty confident that, you know, this pregnancy is still um, healthy and, you know, we're actually making progress this time. So I wasn't quite as scared, you know, I don't think I blasted it out to the world for a while, even after Christmas, but our families, you know, we told pretty soon mm. um, and mostly too, so they could pray for us because yeah. it, it was a scary time. Mm -hmm. Um and as far as like my pregnancy with Savannah went, like it was, I, I've always had, compared to other women, I feel like very easy pregnancies. Um, I'm like uncomfortable and I have hormones, you know, all the normal stuff. I have some evening nausea and stuff, but I never like got so sick I couldn't get off the couch or never like needed fluids or anything like that. I could always mostly keep my food down and so I feel like I really was blessed um, with easy pregnancies early on. Um, mm. 
never really had just a huge amount of complications. I had some, and I'll share some of that too. I had some odd things happen along the way, but nothing that was like, you know, horrible during my pregnancies. Yeah. Yeah. I always, um, I'm, I had a really easy, easy pregnancy with my first, like, it was like, I wasn't even pregnant and my belly grew. <laughs> so <laughs> It was amazing. So I always, now my pregnancies have gotten a little harder, but um, I'm always like, man, some women really go through a lot. <laughs> so it's a blessing when you yes. can have a pretty easy, smooth pregnancy for sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I would, I would attest to that too. Like with each child, I think pregnancy took a higher toll. Mm. Like it's just you're older. I think some of it too, is you're juggling more like with your first, you're only taking care of mm-hmm. yourself. So if you need extra sleep, you sleep. If you need extra food, you eat, you know, but when you're starting to care for other little ones while you're trying to care for yourself, it gets a little harder to take yeah. care of yourself and, to, you know, sleep when you're tired. And I'm, I'm pretty sure all kind of between older age and then also the more responsibilities, it, it gets tricky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what kind of care did you end up choosing for this birth? Did you end up going to the birth center or what did you, what did that look like? Um, so with the midwife moving out of town, I couldn't use her. Um, and I actually started with just a conventional OB doctor out of Aiken. And I had one appointment with that person. I won't name names, but I just, I hated it. Um, Mm the best thing I got out of that was, um, they did an ultrasound. It was like the first time I had an ultrasound for Savannah's pregnancy. So I was like, so grateful to see that she was good and fine and saw a heartbeat and all that. But I just, I just got all kinds of weird vibes and just didn't, didn't love it. And I think it's because I had, um, the midwifery, um, background to compare it to and the two are not the same I was just yeah. like I can't do this so um I went to church the next Sunday and started talking with other moms there was one other lady who's was pregnant and she was just like a few months ahead of me and she started telling me about where she was going and at the time in Lexington there was a birth center that was hosted by midwives they did the delivering um, and she was like, you should just go and just try it out. You know, just go once, see if you like it. They'll give you a tour of the facility and just see if it's something that jives with you. And so I was like, okay, you know, well, I'll check it out. So I went out there. It was a good hour drive from my house. Um, it was right by, I don't know if you're familiar with Lexington, but like um, right by the Lexington Hospital, there's an entrance to the Riverbank Zoo in that area. And it was like right next to the entrance. Um, for the garden entrance of the zoo. Um, and so we went out there and Evan and I, and we checked it out and it was like beautiful inside. They had their birth suites looked almost like a spa. They had mm. special birthing tubs. They had just all kinds of amazing things. It felt homey. Um, and all the midwives I met that day, I just loved. So I was like, yeah, I think this is, this is the route for me. Um, and I had just an amazing experience with those ladies. There was um, two main midwives, but there was other people that were just kind of on staff to help. And I felt super confident for it being my first because the Lexington Hospital was literally a mile away. So if there was an emergency or something unexpected that 
you know, we had something available. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, first timer, you don't really know what's normal yet for you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it just kind of put some of those fears to rest, knowing that, you know, there was a hospital for backup. Um, looking back, like I was kind of naive. Um, I went for it because it felt right, but not necessarily for, you know, health reasons or anything. And now I'm grateful, like looking back, like the choices I made with the knowledge I have now, like, I'm so glad I went that route and God nudged me that way because at the time, I don't think I would have, you know, really been for natural things. And I mean, to a certain extent, I probably was, but not, not the way I am now. So like when I look back up, you know, my first pregnancy, like it was just the best case scenario for being Mm. young and naive (laughs) (laughs) to see God's grace in that. Um, We never did find out what we were going to have with Savannah. So it was a surprise all along. And every time I'd go in for a checkup, they'd use the Doppler and check her heartbeat. And we kind of waffled back and forth. Sometimes they thought she was going to, you know, be a boy. And other times they thought, oh, it might be a girl. But then towards the end of my pregnancy, I had um, something called PUPS. It's like P-U-P-P-S, or maybe it's triple P at the end. It stands for a very long word that I can't pronounce, <laughs> but it's basically a hormonal rash. Um, mm. And from what my midwife said, most times it's um, boy, like you're pregnant with a boy and your hormones are kind of female hormones reacting with the male hormones. And so it's super common with a boy. And I was a little disheartened because I kind of did want a girl. I never would have admitted it out loud, but I was like, okay, you know, I'm sure boy will be great. I'll love, you know, I just want a healthy baby. You know, it's going to be fine. And, um, most of the stuff I had was gender neutral because we just truly didn't know. So then, yeah, when she finally was born and she was a girl, I was so relieved. (laughs) It was like, oh, well, you know, I just knew, I think in my heart of hearts, I knew she was a girl Mm -hmm. and that's what I was counting on even if I wouldn't have admitted it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it's funny how sometimes you kind of have that, like, I hope it's this, but really ultimately it's like, I just want a healthy baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I've definitely been there where I've been like, oh, I kind (laughs) of, I kind of hope it's this. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, like, even if you're wrong and your hope is off, once that baby's there and finds a place in your family, like you can't imagine mm-hmm. it any other way. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, just, it's the way it was meant to be and you know uh-huh. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's 100%. <laughs> so how is your care um, at the birth center? What did they do like prenatally? Um, I know you said they would do the Doppler and stuff, but um, as far as like midwifery care, I know you only had like one little experience with an OB, but what, do you know like what some of the differences are that you just, you liked or what did that look like? So they're a lot more proactive. They, they literally have to be because if Mm -hmm. you wind up with a high risk pregnancy, you can't deliver with them. So they focus a lot on your diet, on what you're eating and drinking. Um, They um, would check, my blood sugar, just a simple, you know, finger prick. Every time I go in, they do like a urine uh, test just to make sure I'm not dealing with any kind of sugar or your UTI issues. Um, 
they'd usually take my blood pressure, just kind of check basics. They'd mm-hmm. check um, the baby's position. Like they are so, sometimes I can't even, it's like the skill level, like to be able to prod someone's stomach and know what is a head and what is a knee. And like they could just tell, you know, where the baby's positioned, how the baby's sitting. Um, and just, you know, talk you through not just the physical things you're experiencing, but they were very almost like, almost like moms or sisters that, you know, just like, Hey, this is normal. This is abnormal, you know, and just educating, educating, educating. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what I loved about my midwifery experiences is like, they were very non-invasive, which for a first time mom was nice because I kind of valued my privacy and like they respected boundaries, what you were comfortable with, what you weren't um, very heavy on consent. So like if you wanted a vaginal exam, they would do it, but they weren't going to push it. They wanted you to want it and to consent to it. Um, so there's like very, very few things, if any, really that I actually truly felt uncomfortable with during my care because it was all, I was in the driver's seat. And even though I was young and dumb, didn't know that (laughs) they put me there anyway. And they're like, you know, this is, this is what, this is what we want to do. This is what we'd like to do, but you're welcome to say no, you know, and it just, mm-hmm. it just felt like a very respectable environment um, where I was being valued for who I was and not just, you know, another patient. Um, even like, even your labor experiences are so different. Um, they encourage you to eat and drink. They don't hook you up to monitors. Um, they, like with the different births I had, they would actually give me my privacy. You know, we are going to be out here when you're ready for us. Just call us. We'll hear you. But we want to, you know, give you your space because I was I was always a laborer. Like I wanted Nevin, wanted my husband, but I didn't really want anyone else. Like I just mm-hmm. I needed to zone, be in the zone and not be distracted and being asked questions. And they would check me, but they would still like they would not disturb me. They just come in you know, maybe put the dobbler to my stomach and then step out again, like just get the information and then give me my privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a very, very great experience. I thought going into, especially when I saw the first walkthrough, you know, I saw these spa tubs and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm gonna have a water birth. <laughs> but I found out very quickly that I, when I'm in labor, like I feel out of control in a tub. I do not like that feeling of weightlessness or, like I just doesn't, it, it makes me almost panic and I mm-hmm. didn't expect that I figured it would help me relax. But for me, just never worked. All three of my pregnancies, my, my labors, I tried the water every time. So I'm like, well, maybe this time, no, <laughs> it, just, it never worked. Like I just, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel, I just feel out of control or something. Like mm-hmm. I, I have to be more grounded on a solid surface than labor, I guess. So, yeah, I've heard that, that water birth just isn't for everybody. Um, So that some women have very similar feelings like that, like they need to just feel grounded and Mm -hmm. helps them feel more in control or something. Well, talking about um, your labor and kind of what, how they are in labor, why don't we segue into um, your labor story? How did your labor start? How far along were you? Well, I was a funny story. So I was pregnant with two other friends. One of them was my husband's cousin and one was a pretty good friend of mine. We were all due around the same time. 
one of them had their baby um, two days before Savannah was born. And one had their baby the day before Savannah was born. So I was like the last one standing. <laughs> and that it was, uh, I remember it was a Sunday night and I was so mad because I was so sick of being pregnant. I was 10 days overdue. Oh, and wow. I was just like, this is just not fair. Like I'm going to be pregnant forever. Like literally I'll be the first pregnant woman that's pregnant forever. <laughs> I was so mad. Mm. And then of course they're all like showing pictures of their babies and so excited. And I'm like, and here I am miserable. Like this is not fair. <laughs> Like I had a really good cry that night and mm. I woke up the next morning. Um, Nevin was working some weird hours. He was like up at like three thirty or four to go to work. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I think you're not going to work today. I was like, this is a little, th- I think this is it. <laughs> mm. He wound up working. He, lo- he, he only worked like a uh, mile down the road at the time. So it wasn't a big deal. I was like, why don't you just go? And if it gets serious, like really serious, I'll call you and we can leave. So he was like, okay, you know, just keep me posted. So he did go to work and I labored at home. I'd known I'd wanted to labor at home as long as I could um, from about three thirty, four o'clock in the morning to I'd say around noon. Um, I was prepared for a long, cause I know first timers, you know, you're supposed to have these long drawn out labors. Mm-hmm. So I was like, <laughs> you know, just trying to, it was all brand new for me. So it was hard to even gauge it, but I was like, you know, I'll just do as much as I can at home. And when I feel like, you know, they're really close and really intense, then we'll go. Well, yeah, it was like a little afternoon. We decided, okay, it's an hour drive. We probably should at least get up to Columbia before it gets too bad. So I didn't want to be like in really bad labor. Yeah, I could still manage. Car, baby. <laughs> yeah. We didn't want that. Mm. Nevin would have freaked out, you know him. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we, mm. we did. We went up in the car. And even then, like, every time I had a contraction, I'm like, this is stupid. Why did I wait so long? Like, this hurts. And then you're bumping <laughs> down the road, and it was horrible. Oh, but yeah. So we got there, and my, my contractions uh, never got closer than five minutes apart, but they just got longer. Like, they would mm. stay divided apart. They weren't coming closer, but they just got longer in between. So oh. I um, we got there, and they checked me. Once again, asked me if it was okay. I was like, yeah, sure. I want to know if I made any progress. Um, But something with them checking, I guess it just, um, I think it just kind of helped my cervix along a little bit. And from then on, it was like active, like really Mm -hmm. major labor. Um, And so once again, I was still thinking, you know, by now it was like two o'clock and I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to probably go a long ways yet because I'm, you know, first timer, but within like an hour, I was in the pushing stage. Like it went really fast from there. Um, With Savannah, she had her, she always had like anytime they were feeling around, they could tell that she had her arms kind of up by her body. Um, And I'm pretty sure she had her fist up by her face Mm. and it just held and held and held me from being able to actually push her out. I pushed for like over an hour, um, which was uncharacteristic comparing it to my other pregnancies and births. Um, but that was a very long hour. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, they had changed some positions and they were able to kind of reach in and just kind of push her arm back a little bit because she had just descended enough um, after my water broke that they could, you know, kind of touch her or whatever and, and finagle things. And finally, you know, she was born then. Um, and we were shocked because, like we said, we were planning on 
figured it was a boy based on all the other <laughs> other hints we had. <laughs> yeah. So we were so, so blessed. You know, she was a little girl. She was a little itty bitty thing. She was mm. uh, six pounds, seven ounces. Oh, and she was born on eight, nine, ten. So oh, that was kind of cool. cool. That's we a cool birthday. She was, she was waiting for the coolest birthday. That's why she, you know, <laughs> held on for so long. She just wanted a cool birthday. That is cool. Uh, she was born at 4.30 in the afternoon then. And by 9 o'clock that night, we were actually already home. Um, wow. <laughs> I felt actually really good after I had her. They helped me um, breastfeed her for the first time and just, you know, made sure everything was good, that she was, you know, breathing fine and all of that. And they were like, if you guys are comfortable, or like, they're like, there's no reason for us to keep you here overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, they always would come to your house then and check on you the next day. <clears throat> so we were like, yeah, sure. That's great. So we went from, you know, having our baby to actually being able to sleep in our own bed that very night. So that wow. was a pretty good experience. I'm always so in awe of, well, obviously home birth is, I mean, you just get to climb right into your own bed, but I'm always in awe of like the birth center births where you have your baby and then you get to go home a couple hours Mm -hmm. later. And I'm just like, wow, (laughs) that must be so amazing. I mean, besides obviously just already being home, but yeah, um, yeah, that's, that is so cool because the hospital experience definitely is not that enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) And I had just the greatest, the greatest team of midwives that Mm -hmm. first go around. Like they're ladies that I still keep in touch with, um, still follow them on Facebook. If anybody needs, you know, a midwife, I've got my list. Like it's just, (laughs) they make such an impression on you. And it becomes like your friend. Like I remember every single time I had like my last postpartum visit, I would like be crying. Of course, I'm sure Aww. that was hormones. It was just like, I'm not going to get to see you again. Like Aww. I'm going to miss you. Like it was just like a, it, it's just, it's a relationship and it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So your recovery was good then? Yeah. Um, for the most part, it was, um, Savannah was perfectly fine. Um, I had, well, it happened to me twice. Um, I had a horrible, horrible problem with hemorrhoids after Mm -hmm. my first and my last, my two girls. Um, Mm -hmm. And both times they were like stage four thrombosed, like there's no way of, of healing them naturally. We tried everything. So both with both of my girls, I wound up having to have surgery and that sucked. So mm-hmm. if any of your um, listeners have struggled with that or, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, make actually, myself I, talk to people with it. <laughs> yeah, I actually have that issue um, too. I mean, I don't know, not, not needing surgery, but um, with after, let's see, after Ellie, I had them after birth. Um, and then same with Brightland, but with Finn's pregnancy, I, they came on earlier and they're just so painful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that I've, I don't even know, I didn't even know that there were different stages or anything of that, but, um, I definitely can relate to the pain of, well, maybe not as intense, but to the pain of 
hemorrhoids in pregnancy and afterwards it's yeah it's not (laughs) not a fun thing to deal with it's terrible (laughs) after my surgery with my first the doctor actually lied to me I found that out afterwards but now like in retrospect, I'm glad he did because I may not have continued having children. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he was like, yeah, if you have this surgery, you should be good to go. It'll never happen again. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, fine. Yeah. You know, like we fixed yeah. the problem. Um, and I would have my my middle pregnancy. I actually had no problems with it. So I was like mm-hmm. believing him. And then after I had my my third and last child, um, it happened again and I was so devastated and knowing I had to go through, I mean, they tell you it's a two to four week recovery, huh? It's like a six month recovery after oh, that wow. surgery. Um, and I was so heartbroken. I'm like, this can't be happening again. Mm-hmm. And the guy that I saw the second time was a different doctor. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, this is just something that you, it's how your body is made up. This is something, if you continue to have children, you're rolling the dice every time. Um, and he's like, there is no final cure. Like a surgery is not going to fix it. He was like, that first guy lied to you. And I was mad at first, but then when I actually thought through it, (laughs) I'm glad he did because there is a chance I would just have stopped trying to have children Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have, you know, Liam and Quinn that I do now. So I'm, I'm glad he lied, I guess, but Yeah. yeah, it's not fun. So yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I always say, like, you know, people are always like, well, this is TMI. But I'm like, well, <laughs> it's pregnancy. I don't really know if there's a yeah. TMI. Because <laughs> you, you just never know what you're going to get. Like, you know, our bodies just all react and respond so differently in so many different ways. Broad, like, crazy things that just don't normally happen. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're pregnant, it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just... You never know. Well, thanks for sharing that because I know that that's probably, you know, you have to be vulnerable to share. I know for me, it's like, it's just something that just feels like, I I feel like I don't, you don't really hear about that part of pregnancy. So it's almost something that's like, well, am I the only one that's dealing with it? Like, why didn't I know this was a thing? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. When I was going to you know, come on here. I was like, Oh, that's the one thing I'm not going to share about. But then as I was thinking through things this morning, I'm like, what if there's someone Mm -hmm. out there that doesn't know that's normal? Or what if somebody is going through that recovery and it's like, why do I not feel better? It's been three weeks since my surgery. And what, you know, what do I have to expect? Like I thought, well, if if someone can gain something good from that experience, (laughs) then I'm just going to share and put myself out there and just be vulnerable with it and hopefully help someone. So is there anything else from Savannah's birth or postpartum that you want to share? Not really. I mean, she was the model child. She was (laughs) the most perfect baby, like, I'm so glad I had her first because once again, that was probably one reason I kept having children. No, she was just so precious. Um, she was a little chubber. Like my brother started calling her chubs and she was just <laughs> stocky, but yeah, she was jolly and sweet and, uh, just, just the most precious firstborn you could ask for. So yeah. to this day, I would say she is, she's just a precious girl. Yeah. I would agree with that. She's, she's so sweet. <laughs> Why don't you um, share about your second then? 
Okay. So with my second was a son. Um, he was about three and a half years younger than Savannah. So about two and some odd years between the two of them. Um, he was my one that I struggled the hardest conceiving with Savannah. I had those three miscarriage, well, the two miscarriages and her like bam, 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 never really struggled getting pregnant. Um, with Liam, we had actually tried probably a good nine months before I got pregnant with him. Um, I did, I did start like losing weight cause I'm like, well, I guess the best thing I can do is just get myself healthy and, you know, maybe kickstart my fertility that way. Um, and about the time I got kind of where I wanted to be, <laughs> I got pregnant. So <laughs> I guess that was the, for me, I guess that was the thing. The funny, the funny thing is I didn't get pregnant with Quinn until I was at that same weight. So I oh. guess there's something with that. So I don't know. Interesting. That's be what it may. <laughs> uh, so about, um, Mid-May of 2013, I found out I was pregnant with Liam, and I actually had planned a birth center birth to mimic what happened with Savannah, because that's what I was comfortable with. The hospital was there. We live like 45 minutes from anywhere, so it was kind of important for me to have close transport, you know, in an emergency. So that was my comfort zone. I loved my experience. I loved my midwife, so that was, that was the route I was going to go. But about halfway in my pregnancy with Liam, the birth center got shut down. And it mm. wasn't that they had done anything wrong. It was that the legislature for the state had changed. And oh. they had changed it so that every birth center had to be manned by a MD. And this cute little birth center with two birthing rooms and two midwives and a few assistants did not have the funds to be able to pay the salary for an MD. Mm -hmm. Like it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And so they were like, they were so sad that they had to, they just had to close their doors. So I wind up in, you know, half halfway through my pregnancy, not sure what am I going to do? Like this is, <laughs> this is not how this was supposed to go. Yeah. Um, but I, once again, retrospect, I look back, I see God's redemption in it. Um, my, the, the, the main midwife that helped me with Savannah through my pregnancy, she was there for me through my hemorrhoid surgery. Like she was there. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but she was working at the birth center, but she also had her own home birthing business. And so that was like the first option that came to me. It was like, Hey, I know this wasn't in the plan, but you know, me, we have a relationship. And we could just switch to a home birth. Mm. And it threw me for a loop because I never imagined myself at that place being, you know, having a home birth, especially where I lived. There's no close hospitals. You know, it was a very scary decision. But I also kind of remembered my experience with the OB and I didn't really want to go that route either. Mm. So I just prayed and prayed about it and I felt at peace. Okay, we're going to go for a home birth. Can't believe I'm doing this, but we're going to go for a home birth. Awesome. Um, and my, my midwife was so great at her way of putting it. She says, I am not a frontier midwife. She's like, we are not going to have a home birth at any cost. She's like, if I sense anything at all is wrong, she said, I know 
how far we are from the closest hospital. She's like, I would have you transported the second I feel like anything is mm. off. She's yeah. like, we're, we're here for the baby safety, for your safety. And the sheer amount of babies she had delivered was like crazy. I can't remember the number, but it was enough that I was like, yeah, you know what to look for. <laughs> like, yeah. I think, I think I feel like you're going to you know take good care of me. Uh, so a lot of that, like, um, just spoke peace over me. And mm. can, I, can I ask one question? Sure. Sure. Um, how was Nevin when you had to switch from the birth center and deciding on a home birth? Did he, was he totally supportive of the idea of home birth or was it something that he had to come around to? I'm just curious. Cause I know sometimes husbands can be really fearful when it comes to, um, a home birth, I, the idea of home birth. So as far as Nevin went, um, I think naturally maybe he would have been apprehensive about home birth, except for the fact that, um, he came from an Amish background and his mom would have had almost all home births. I think maybe Nevin's oldest was like his oldest brother was born in a hospital, but I think everyone else was born at home. Hmm, so okay. I might be off, but I know a majority of her babies were born and there was, um, eight of them. So okay. she had mostly home births. So as far as that, I don't think it scared him really bad. Um, he was more freaked out if it would come to him having to deliver. I think that was the bigger <laughs> thing because he wasn't sure if he could do it. And the midwives are always like, oh, it'll be okay. You can call us and we'll help you and we'll talk about it. They usually did have one meeting where they kind of went over the basics of birth just in case mm -hmm. um, they couldn't make it in time or something like that, which I think is another part of that education side. You don't necessarily get that with an OB, I don't believe, where mm -hmm they'll sit down with you and your husband and say, okay, if you end up having a baby on your own, this is what it looks like. And this is what you need to do. Yeah. That's actually really true. I don't think I've ever had a, an experience with a doctor where they gave you that just in case scenario. Because <laughs> I mean, accidental home births do happen. So yeah. And you could be very unprepared. Mm -hmm. They would, um, it happened. I, I want to say at the birth center, I had to as well. That's a little foggy. But they would have these um, custom birth kits online made specifically, put together specifically by my midwife. And they would give me the website and I would go on and, you know, order her recommended package. And it would be things like a cord clamp and chucks pads and a nasal aspirator. And I forget what all is in the kit, um, sanitized things, uh, different yeah, I, I can't even remember. I'd have to pull it up to, to see what all is in there. But it would literally come and you'd have to have it, I think, by 35 weeks at your house so that, you know, in the case of any type of birth, like you're there, you have it there with you at all times. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of fun to be able to unpackage those things and just, yeah, dream and get ready for, you know, what was about to happen at your own home. Like that was kind of neat, but. So how did you, did you do anything special to prepare your home? Like, I know some people like will put up, you know, lights or, you know, birth affirmations on the wall or, you know, different things to kind of prepare like a special birth space within their home. Did you do anything like that? Or were you just like, meh, it, wherever it happens, it happens. <laughs> I, I didn't do like birth affirmations or anything. Um, 
I was one, once I was in labor, my brain went to mush. Like every single time, that's how I knew it was the real thing. So like most of the time, all of my carefully made plans, like none of that I could have even advocated for myself. Like I would have been a horrible hospital birther because they probably could have made me do anything. Like that's just when I'm in the zone, like the only thing I'm thinking about is this baby. I'm not thinking about Mm -hmm. anything else or my wishes or anything. Um, So that was one thing I was always relieved of having my midwives. If I ever got transported, they act as a doula. And they knew what I wanted. So Mm -hmm. I knew that I would not be put in a compromising situation as long as I had my midwives with me. Mm -hmm. And that, that was actually pretty reassuring too. Um, The one thing I did do for like specifically for my bed is I would do kind of like a lasagna layer of checks pads and old sheets and did several layers of those. And at the very, very bottom, I had my nice sheets that I would want after the birth so that we could just kind of strip the bed as we go as needed and still have, you know, a clean layer underneath. And it would also... Wow, that's such a good idea. (laughs) I also had like a shower curtain to protect my mattress pad as well. And everything I bought, I just intended to throw away because that's Mm -hmm. one thing I just... If it's going to be at my house, like I did not want to have a bunch of things to wash after the birth and all of yeah. that. So I just, I went super cheap on my sheets and you know, of course the checks pads are throwawayable and cheap shower curtains and stuff like that, just so that everything could just be bagged up and, you know, done, done with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also would teach you how to um, wash on hot water and dry your stuff and on super high heat, like your baby newborn blankets and the things you need for birth. And then they would have you put it in a trash bag and seal it up right away so that, you know, it's not contaminated and it stays sanitary for your birth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was it was kind of a fun experience being part of preparing for the birth was kind of part of your nesting was, you know, just getting ready. Um, They have you eat and drink during birth, like during not heavy foods and drinks, of course, but. Um, they always asked you to have, you know, some type of hearty meal for after birth ready to go. And so you just, you did a lot of kind of fun prep dreaming of, you know, once the baby's born, we're going to have this, you know, to eat. And it was just kind of a fun experience to be proactive part of that. Yeah, that's really cool. So what did your labor look like for Liam? Well, I was, I was 40 weeks when I saw my midwife the last time I went up to her, she had an office in Columbia. She still has one up there. Um, so that's where I'd go for all of my checkups. And we had gone like a day and a half before he was born. I went up, she checked me and nothing seemed to be happening. I was 40 weeks. And from my experience with Savannah, I was preparing to go, you know, 10 days over again. Cause I did, I'd done that already. And she was like, yeah, there's nothing much going on. Um, she was like, you could try some things. She was like, probably the first thing I'd try is um, breast stimulation to see if that even helps. And I kind of laughed at her. I'm like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that night I was too tired. I didn't try anything. And then the next day I was in the shower. I'm like, I'm just going to try this, see if this works. And buddy, it worked. Um, <laughs> I went from like nothing happening. Um, this was probably like 637 at night to he was born a little after midnight. So, yeah, 
it, it, it started something. So if anyone's like overdue and needs a little to try it, <laughs> I didn't believe in it, but yeah, it worked. Um, I tried water again that time around and just hated it. Got out. Um, trying to think other details about his, his birth was just probably my easiest, quickest, like least traumatic of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, and my recovery was great with him. I just, yeah, I just loved the, I just didn't anticipate how cozy and private he, he was born in, um, January, mid January. So it was freezing cold outside. So I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to pack any bags. I just labored in my own home. They gave me my privacy. I was mostly in my bedroom and my bathroom. Um, we had the lights turned down. I had candles. Um, they were very much about keeping it calm and quiet and dark because melatonin helps your oxytocin, which helps your labor progress. And mm-hmm. so it's just all about, you know, keeping stress and trauma away and just um, allowing your body to do the work. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was just a really beautiful experience that I my fears on the front end were definitely unfounded by the time I was done having him and like you said, crawling into your own bed. Like, I was like, why did I never, you know, imagine (laughs) doing this before? Like, this is so amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they came for the, for the uh, checkup 24 hours later and checked up on everything. And they would uh, clean up after themselves as they'd go. So it wasn't like I had a mess by the time um, I was showered and cleaned up after my birth and in my bed, like the house was all put back together. Everything was taken care of. Um, they had Nevin bury the placenta. So that wasn't like there waiting for me. I had learned about placenta encapsulation, like after I stopped having babies and now I kind of regret that, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, anyway, the, it, it was just, it just felt very effortless and, have just a very beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. So how was your postpartum then after having Liam? Did, did you, do you ever um, struggle with any like postpartum depression or anxiety or anything like that? Or are you just pretty balanced after? after? I, I think I had a touch of it after Savannah and I had a little heavier touch after Liam, but I don't think I knew what to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, neither of them were severe enough that I like needed help or needed, um, you know, counseling or anything, but there was definitely something there. And in retrospect, after Quinn, I had it the worst. And when I had it the worst, then I started like recognizing, oh, wait, I have been here before. I just, Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how to define it. And -hmm. it wasn't quite as bad as like every pregnancy, it got a little harder. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't unmanageable. It really, any of the times, like it wasn't, I wasn't in such a dark place that I was like, um, you know, going to hurt myself or my child or anything. It just, you just, you just feel kind of trapped. I guess the best case, like you just kind of feel like trapped inside of your emotions and kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, after we talk about Quinn, I'll kind of tell you my story through my postpartum there because it's more of a Jesus story. It was very mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Cool. So is there anything else you want to share 
um, from Liam's experience? Nope, I don't think so. It was okay. it was fun then to have a boy. You know, yeah. <laughs> we had the girl, and then we got to have the boy, um, and he's been a joy ever since. And he, we have the we have I have had a girl first, and of course the boy, and then my youngest is a girl. And he feels outnumbered. Like he keeps trying to push for a little brother. <laughs> but he feels such a place in our life. Like, yeah, life would not be right without Liam. He's just, he is all boy and a half. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he makes up for it. <laughs> so did you end up getting the pups rash again or did you not have it this time? No, I didn't ever have that again with either oh, of the other two. Uh, it was just a random I guess, first baby thing. One time thing. <laughs> um, oh, the other funny thing. So Vanna had that eight, nine, 10 birthday. Liam was born on one twenty three, So he had January 23rd, one, two, three. Oh, yeah. One, two, three. So, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. He, he had a cool birthday too. And yeah. then Quinn, Quinn was born 12, 14, 16. So oh. all three kids got. <laughs> got cool number kind of, birthdays. <laughs> yeah. They kind of got. I've had a cool birthday, so that was not planned, but it happened. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. So how long after Liam's birth um, did you try for your next one? So um, around the time I got pregnant with Quinn, we actually weren't really trying. Um, I just anticipated to have to work really hard. So I got careless. We went on a uh, excursion like romantic outing for a weekend. And I just forgot to bring anything with me that would have prevented pregnancy. We were kind of in that zone that we were pretty sure we wanted to have another baby, but we weren't like, you know, hadn't like had the conversation that, okay, we're going to try again, Mm -hmm. but it just happened. Like she, she decided that she wanted to come then. So um, (laughs) Liam would have been a little over two. So they wound up being right around three years apart. Um, and there was no deliberation about my birth with her. Like we just knew we had such a great experience with Liam that, you know, we're automatically going back to the same midwife and going to have a home birth again. Um, with Quinn, I had, I'd never dealt with it with my other two pregnancies, but I had, um, high blood sugar about halfway through my blood sugar just started doing some funny things. Um, And the midwife, I could have probably said this earlier when you're asking details of how the midwife cares for you. The midwives don't do that like yucky orange drink thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They just have you eat like a very sugary, carby meal, like pancakes with fruit and maple syrup and like natural sugars. They just have you just eat a very naturally high sugar. Ugh, I can't talk. A meal with lots of naturally high sugar that's from the earth. Not really mm-hmm. like an artificial drink anyway. So my first test, they had me do that with her and it, and my blood sugar was super high. Um, so then instead of jo- going right to, you know, worst case scenario and doctors and stuff, um, she told me just to balance out anytime I eat anything with natural sugar to balance it out with protein and to get my own blood sugar test kit and just test my sugar regularly, test it fasting, test it between meals and just start logging my numbers. So I, I did that and I kind of found out if I eat my protein 
and limit my carbs and my sugars, then I can keep it in a very healthy range without having, you know, to go do anything major. So I was really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, once again, put me in the driver's seat, you know, we're having this issue. Let's deal with it naturally first. And if that doesn't work, you know, then we'll move on to more, uh, I don't know, more invasive things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that I was really grateful for. Um, the other thing I had with her that I didn't have the others was prodromal labor, which is like, mm. like labor that starts, it feels very real, but it's actually not quote unquote real labor. Um, I had two, <laughs> felt so bad. So I live an hour from Columbia, two different times. I had the midwives at my house thinking uh-huh. that they were going to be delivering a baby. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> I felt so bad. But it's like, I've had two babies already. I know how this feels. And this felt very real. Mm. <laughs> you know, my, my contractions are three minutes apart and, and they're painful. And, you know, this feels very real. Mm-hmm. But I had told you earlier, like when I'm in labor, my brain goes to mush. Yeah. Those first two times, I thought so clearly. Like I could pack my kids up. I could call my mom. I could do everything I needed to do to get ready for the birth. Like I was like all in, I could do this by the third time. And that was the real time. Um, my brain was like absolute mush. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't like, okay, what does this kid need in their bag? And, uh, you know, what, what do you take to a sleepover? And, um, you know, like, it was just like, I just could not think clearly. And so that was when I was like, okay, I think this is actually is the real thing. Like I'm going to call mm-hmm. them. And hopefully it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. And they were like, we'll start driving, but you just keep us updated. Because I don't know if they really believe me, but (laughs) (laughs) it it was the real thing. Um, Quinn was funny. Like when I was pregnant with her, she's she's our little sassy press. When I was pregnant with her, whenever the kids would come up and like lay against my belly or lean up against me, like she would kick and jab and like she wanted her space and she did not want anyone touching her. And her birth was very much that way. Like by the time, and I think maybe some of that, the padromal labor does make progress. It's just Mm -hmm. not, it just kind of starts and stops more or less. So by the time I went into real labor with her, um, my body had already been doing quite a bit of work in the weeks leading up to that. So my mom came and got the kids. I think it was like seven or eight o'clock at night and she was born uh, 11, 11.44. So she made some really fast progress. I only like pushed with her for like three minutes. Wow. She just, yeah, she came when she wanted to come. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So how was your recovery with that one? Um, well, I had my second hemorrhoid surgery after her, which my midwife, she was so puzzled. She was like, I get it for the first one when you're pushing an hour and some odd. She's like, I get that. But this, you're pushing three minutes. Like, mm-hmm. why? Um, so I, I still don't quite know why. Um, she did have the cord wrapped around her neck. Um, and she had an extra long cord. None of my others, my others actually had short cords. Because I remember like after I had them, 
they don't cut the cord right away. They let it pulse out. So the other two, I couldn't even pull them really up to my chest. My cords mm-hmm. were so short. She had to kind of just lay them on my belly for a little while till the cord stopped pulsing. Um, but Quinn had an extra long cord. And so the midwife almost like somersaulted her kind of over the cord to get her out so that, you know, she wouldn't strangle. And I wonder maybe if that, you know, I was probably pushing too hard initially or something. I don't, I, I really don't know. Yeah. But um, the, the postpartum on hers was, was the hardest. And I think some of it was going into another hemorrhoidectomy. I knew what that was and what it was going to take to feel better again. And I didn't want to go through that again. So that was probably a big thing. Um, but then my depression was like way harder after her too. And it wasn't like, I don't, I don't know. I haven't done much research on it, but it wasn't like, I don't get depression right away. It's almost like a few weeks after my hormones start coming down is when it'll hit me. So I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I'll be on a high for the first couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden it'll like just kind of hit me. And um, we were going through some personal things too at that time. That was really hard. My husband's work was slow and there's just a lot going on. Um, so I was like, had this new baby and all this other stress and then the depression and then trying to <laughs> just get my body, you know, healthy again from the surgery. Um, it was just a lot. And I remember one night, I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember one night going outside after everybody was in bed because I, I tried really hard to not let the kids see me cry. And I just sat on the steps and I was crying and I just felt like God was so far away. And I was just like, Jesus, I need you. I need you now. And it was the only time in my life, like I literally felt he was right there. Like he was wrapping his arms around me and he was right Mm -hmm. there. Um, And the next day, like it was almost like whatever needed to click whatever needed to align like in that moment everything felt better and like it's like every day after that I could see a little bit more light because I was in such dark place and I could just see just a little more of a glimmer of light it was like that moment I can pinpoint back to where whatever healing I needed started it wasn't overnight mm-hmm. by any stretch but it was like right there is where my healing started where I could actually I could actually start walking in the light and not the darkness anymore. And it was, mm-hmm. it was only Jesus. I mean, I can that's unapologetically say that like it was such a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was hard, but also a highlight and a testimony that even if you're in the darkest of the darkest places, like Jesus is there with you. He doesn't look away. And mm-hmm. even if you're doubting and you're scared and you're, you don't even know where he is or even care honestly where he is. He's still there and he still cares. So yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. That was really beautiful. (laughs) 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 Let me compose myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so is there anything else from that experience with Quinn that you want to share or do you? Um, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, man. I love, I love how, um, within a mom, you know, like birth, like every birth is so different. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you like our bodies can kind of remember and kind of, you know, some moms kind of do the same thing every time, but there's still like, it's just, it just can be so different. And it's, it's so fun (laughs) to Mm -hmm. hear, you know, each kid's individual story. And Mm -hmm. yeah, and you can learn so much from, from stories and it's like, you can never stop learning. So it's right. I love, I love hearing them. That's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> doing this. Oh, man. Well, and I love, I love how you, um, like embrace everyone's story. And that's one thing I guess I should have said from the get go, like there's different moms I've followed, you know, that have more of a natural bent like I do, but they can almost come across as this is the only way. And it's not like there are variations of normal and it's okay if, you know, I want a home birth, but you don't like that is perfectly fine. And I think if we would like more, just like support each other in telling our stories, like, Hey, this happened to me, what you're going through is normal. Like, that's awesome. But like, do it from the perspective of, Hey, I'm going to support you no matter what you choose. Like, that's super important because I don't really know where I would be without my village, without my moms around me that, you know, cheered me on during the hard times. And, you know, even the midwives kind of fit into that for my, for my story is just being part of that village to steer me in the direction that I wanted to take. And um, also another, like one thing I wish that, I would have been told when I was like first starting out was to trust your mom gut because no one knows your body as well as you do. No one knows your baby as well as you do. And I think I spent a lot of years, especially with my first, like just second guessing everything. And, um, if I could like say one thing to a new mom is just like, trust your gut, you know, God gave you that intuition for a reason. It's a gift Mm -hmm. and advocate for yourself and for your child and just follow, follow what you're at peace with. Yeah. That's, that's such beautiful advice. And it's for sure a reoccurring theme on the podcast so far Mm -hmm. is yes, God gave us an intuition and trust that intuition and, Mm -hmm. and listen to it because it is a beautiful gift that he has given us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I, I know I was really blessed by all your stories and I know that there's going to be lots of other mamas out there that, um, that will be too. And, um, yeah, so just thank you for sharing your wisdom and your journeys with us. It was really special to hear your stories. Well, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. I, I just, I love what you're doing. I just want to bless you for it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast, and you can connect with us on social media at Birth Journeys Podcast. For more information or to share your own story, please visit 
birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire. See you next time.